Let's start with Deuteronomy chapter 10. It says this. It says, the, the title is Fear the Lord. Moses spoke to Israel. He said, now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God? To walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, and to observe the Lord's commandments and his decrees that I am giving to you today for your own good. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and he loved them. And he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations as it is today. Therefore, circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of God and lords of lords. He is great God. He is mighty and awesome. He shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. But he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. And he loves the foreigner that is residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners. For you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt." Therefore, fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your paths in his name. He is the one you praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. Your ancestors went down into Egypt and were 70 people in awe. And now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky." Anything about that passage strike you as uncomfortable? At least three times, Moses' main instruction to the people of God was to fear God. How many of you think fearing God is a cool idea? Not a lot. Not a popular idea. It's not one that we like. And so this morning, I want to talk with you briefly about the very idea of fear. Maybe the idea of superstitions. If you have a calendar, you might be aware today is Friday the 13th. Is that good news or bad news? I think it's the reason I hit traffic and almost didn't get here. I'm going to blame it on Friday the 13th. And if that isn't enough, there's also a super moon, a full moon tonight, a harvest moon. How creepy is that? On Friday the 13th, we have a harvest moon. I dare you to take a walk around this campus tonight and see the moon for yourself if you're brave enough. Scary, isn't it? Lots of things scare us. We have superstitions to deal with our fears, to try to overcome them ourselves. I know we have a lot of athletes here today, and so I want to think about sports and superstitions. The lovely and talented Serena Williams is famous for not changing her socks during an entire tournament. As lovely as she is, she may not smell that great towards the end of her tournaments when she hasn't changed her socks for a week. That must be pleasant. The famous Phillies outfielder, his name was Richie Ashburn, he was famous for sleeping with his bat if he got on a hitting streak. He wanted to make sure nobody else used it, wanted to make sure it didn't get displaced and didn't get traded with another one, so he took it with him to the hotel every night and slept with it, hoping it would bring him better luck to keep him on that winning streak. Basketball player uh, Jason Terry wears the shorts of his opponents on the night before he plays them. He sleeps in their uniform to kind of get in their head and prepare himself for what is ahead. That's pretty funny, isn't it? 
the way superstitions help us with our own fears. So fear is real. What are the things that we fear? What is the really scary stuff out there? Is it movies like Friday the 13th? Or maybe you've seen The Ring, or maybe you've seen some of the Grudge movies, or maybe you've seen The Purge, which brings the fear a little bit closer because it's not just supernatural fears, it's fear of the darkness within people. I don't know about you, I'm not that brave. I never watch these movies. On about our third date, my wife made me go see The Grudge with her, and I gave up about a week and a half of sleep after that because I couldn't bear to close my eyes at night. They're scary, aren't they? But those fears aren't real. There are more real fears. Maybe we call them phobias. Oddly enough, they all start with S. Snakes, spiders, sharks, Satan. And one that doesn't start with an S is, of course, the zombie apocalypse. Anybody prepared? Me neither. But getting those scarier things at home, one of them might be losing Right? That's why all of our sports players have superstitions. They don't want to lose. That is their big fear is losing. Maybe your fear in class is failing on a test. Or maybe simply being a failure in life. Maybe you're afraid of ridicule from fellow students or others. Maybe you're concerned about finances. won't mention how long ago my wife graduated from here, but we're still paying for her to go here. And she's been done for a long time. Maybe you're concerned about your finances. Maybe there's other things. Maybe it's just a fear of being alone. We have real fears in our life. And throughout the Bible, God deals with people who are scared. And he tries to help them out of their life fears. And he says, let me give you something else to fear. Why don't you fear me instead? Unfortunately, they rarely, rarely go for it. Moses spoke in his book of Deuteronomy to God's people. God had promised them an awesome place to live, and they were afraid to go in there because the people were bigger than them. Has our basketball team ever faced a team that's physically bigger than us and been afraid? They were afraid. God said, don't be afraid of them. I'm bigger than them, even if you're not. He said, fear me and do what I say. The famous prophecy about Jesus coming into the world. Maybe you've heard it from Isaiah chapter 7. It says, the virgin will conceive and will give birth to a child. That prophecy came because Isaiah was telling Ahaz not to be afraid of his neighboring countries, but to trust that God was scarier than all of them and that he could take care of the problem. Ahaz didn't listen, and that's why Jesus was born, presumably. Later on, Jesus also appears on the scene as a frightening figure. We often think of Jesus gentle and meek and mild, except for that one day Jesus lost it in the temple and turned over tables in his great anger because people did not listen to God. They were not concerned about what he had to say. But we're also reminded that although God is in fact scary, God has also promised to be for us. In Deuteronomy uh, chapter 17, or chapter 10, verse 17, Moses says this, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords. He is great, he is mighty, he is awesome, he is powerful, he is to be feared. 
But in the very next verse, he says something else about God. He says, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. He loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. That God is both scary, but he is also also loving and caring. Jesus reminds us of the same thing. Not only did he show his physical power as he overturned tables in the temple, he also told his disciples not to be afraid of anything in the world. Not to be afraid of finances, not to be afraid of losing, not to be afraid of being alone, but that God would be with them and he would care for them and he would provide the things that they needed. You see, the amazing thing is that although God is in many ways frightening, God desires to use his frightening power for you, for your benefit. That's the whole reason Jesus made his way to the cross. Where did it go? There it is. The cross for us. When Jesus was making his way to the cross, he was standing on trial with a very powerful man. His name was Pontius Pilate. He was the one who, in effect, crucified Jesus. He asked Jesus numerous questions, and Jesus wouldn't answer. And finally, he got mad and he used his power. He said, don't you know who I am? Don't you have the power to kill you? Jesus drew him in close and finally started to talk in, I presume, a quiet voice and said, you would have no power over me unless my father gave it to you. He said, therefore, I'm not going to hold you as responsible as I'm going to hold all these other people that brought me to you. Pilate immediately learned what it meant to fear God. As he began all of a sudden to fear Jesus, he stepped back. He said, get some water. I'm going to wash my hands of this whole business. His wife had also warned him that she had a dream that he should stay as far away from this powerful Jesus as possible. And so he stepped back. But Jesus, continuing to seem weak and powerless, made his way to the cross for us, and there, in his great power, overcame everything for you. In his great power, he forgives us for all the times we're too focused on every other frightening thing in the world and not focused enough on the one who can frighten all of our fears away. There's a beautiful new worship song, I forgot the name of it, but it has an incredible verse in it. It says, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. You make the things we're afraid of scared. You scare them all away. Indeed, God is scary, but he is for us. That fearful God is on your side. Remember that when you face any fear. Let's close in prayer. Gracious God, we thank you and praise you that as, as your word proclaims, Lord, you are awesome, you are mighty, you are powerful, but we also thank you, Lord, that you use that power and might for us. We thank you, Lord, that you have taken it upon yourself to love us and to care for us. Heavenly Father, help us to look to you in every time of need, knowing that you are the one who will care for us. You are the one all should fear because of your great love. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen.